Hello and welcome to this week's My News Wrap, news from the world of SAP, Microsoft and the world in between. Now SAP um, is a bit quiet this week, so I have one news there for you. Um, not super new, but um, as you have definitely seen uh, in the media, SAP has its 50th anniversary this year. And there is a quite cool article on Heise Online in German about um, 50 years of SAP, um, how the startup of that time um, evolved to the company that it is today. It's a very nice read, very nice insights from the um, beginning days of SAP. So I, I definitely like that. And with that, yeah, let's switch to the world of Microsoft there. I have quite some stuff this week. Um, first things first, um, Shreya is having, besides her video series on serverless, also now um, a live coding session where I and, and Jonah have the honor to be guests. Um, and the, we, we had this week the first and the second session. The first one is already um, on air. So if you want to take a look um, how three people struggle with uh, building Azure Functions, that's the place to go. Now, another blog post that I would like to bring to your attention is the one around um, Azure Functions and the comparison between version 4 and version 3. So this blog post guides you through the, the changes, for example, that the Azure Function Proxies have been decommissioned. And you have now to use error API management and it compares a bit the, the pros and cons. I'm not super happy with that because proxies were a super slim um, approach and Azure API management is definitely heavyweight. So yeah, um, but there is more in there. So um, overview about the extension version upgrades, um, Update about Key Vault Secret Provider switching to Azure Identity. So you can now use the, the um, um, managed identities there and a lot of other things that um, are brought to your attention. Also the reference to the breaking changes document and the, the GitHub post that tracks the changes. So definitely um, worth reading, especially if you are currently migrating or plan to migrate from version 3. To version 4. Then um, if you have 44 seconds of your time then you can watch this little video by uh, Frank Bushy about our Azure Functions 3. Quite funny um, for a short break. And then um, another topic from Azure Functions, um, a blog post by Mike Stevenson, a very interesting blog post about tuning app insights for Azure Functions. That's more, let's say, a day two topic. So it's quite often forgotten, but you have quite some knobs and, and, and pieces that you can use in order to, um, to tune how app insights integrates with um, Azure Functions and, and what data is collected. And this extensive blog post guides you through the, the different options that you have from, from very different perspectives. And um, it references the um, uh, settings, um, but you have to scroll down to the end of the blog post. So they are referenced within the text and you ask yourself, where the heck are they? 
they are at the very, very end of the, of the blog post. Now, um, another blog post that I would like to bring to your attention, and that's um, about uh, serverless in general. It's um, a little bit a point of view blog post, but I really would like to highlight that one. Um, it's called After Five Years, I'm Out of the Serverless Compute Cult. So as you can already see, there is quite some um, frustration um, about using serverless on the, it's on the AWS platform, but I think that the statements that were made are not specific to the platform. Um, and it's quite interesting to read. And it's also interesting to read the comments down below. So do not only read the blog post, but I highly recommend also to take a look at the comments down below where the content is also a bit more um, discussed. And I think also highlighted that it's not a technology or purely technology issue, but it's more uh, organizational and communication problem. That's kind of how it is. Then um, another blog post or a second blog post from a series. I mentioned that quite some time ago um, about the Azure Apps Autopilot. So how to automatically deploy your Azure Apps. Um, the first one was about GitHub Actions and Azure Bicep. And the second one that came out uh, this week is about using just um, Azure Bicep scripting in order to deploy your apps to um, Azure. So if you want to use only that, um, then this um, um, is definitely an interesting read. And then staying with the deployment, there was one session this week of the um, Microsoft Azure User Group Sweden about deploying static web apps to Azure um, and how to do that in a very cheap and performant way. And this talk was given by uh, Chris Reddington. So if you are starting with static web apps, if you are using static web apps, I think that's definitely um, worth watching with some interesting insights on on how to deploy static web apps. And then um, last blog post from the serverless side, um, this time about logic apps. Um, Quite interesting blog post namely how to consume GraphQL APIs from Azure Logic Apps. So as you might have noticed already, a lot of um, of companies and, and API platforms are using Tuos GraphQL. Um, I think this blog post was about yeah, Meetup. So Meetup is moving from the REST endpoints to the GraphQL endpoints, and that means you have to adopt your code. And this blog post guides you through how to do that for Azure Logic Apps. I mean, the, the good part is that uh, things are still... Um, REST-ish, I would say, um, or follow the REST paradigm. Um, but um, there are differences that you you have to take into account. So your logic will definitely break. You cannot just extend the end, uh, exchange the endpoint, and you're done. So that's definitely interesting read. By the way, I think also all new GitHub APIs are now purely GraphQL. I'm not 100% sure, but I think so. Now with that, let's switch to the world of containers and let's directly start with hardcore container topics. Um, No Azure container apps this week. Um, First blog post that I would like to highlight is on the InnoQ blog site and it's about uh, managing Kubernetes resources with Customize, which is an introduction to a template-free alternative to Helm. Now, if you're using Helm and if you have used Customize, then you know that that's not completely true. And that's, um, to be fair, also perfectly mentioned in the very first section of the blog post. So Customize is a very simple approach, um, which 
due to its simplicity, comes with limitations. Um, but it's also template-free. You do not have to have the, the hassle with Helm. So if you are happy with Customize and this uh, perfectly fits your requirements, then use Customize. Um, if you need Helm due to its ecosystem, due to its um, more elaborated functionality, well, then you have to go to Helm. Now, if you want to take a look at what Customize is capable to do, I highly recommend this blog post. It really guides you through in, well, it's, it's saying 20 minutes reading time about what is Customize, the basics, and then going deeper and deeper, what it's capable to do. Um, really super great blog post from my perspective. Then um, sticking with Helm, there is also a cool um, blog post by Engin Deary about how to unit test your Helm charts. As I just mentioned, um, Helm charts can become quite complex and you can really mess things up uh, by, by changes in your Helm charts. So you would probably want to have some safety net there. And this blog post gets you covered with um, how to build unit tests for your Helm charts. Um, really uh, great. Then um, another advanced or advanced um, important topic <clears throat> around uh, Kubernetes and building apps on Kubernetes is logging. And Torsten Hans brought out a blog post this week about how to do logging in Kubernetes, making use of the PLG stack. So um, Promptail, Loki, and Grafana. And this blog post guides you through on how to set things up and how to get um, things working with um, with a sample workload and how to interact with um, the uh, collected data, making use of LogQL. Really um, nice blog post again by Thorsten Hans. I, I really like his blog posts, so great stuff there. Then uh, a very special topic, but uh, quite requested in the Azure community, in the AKS um, area. Um, and we have now the private preview, uh, the private, the public preview about bring your own container networking interface CNI plugin um, with AKS. And within this blog post by uh, Pixel Robot Robots, um, uh, Richard Hooper, we he guides us through um, how to install uh, the stuff and how to deploy things to your cluster because currently um, documentation on that area, so bring your own CNI is a bit uh, gappy, let's say it that way. Um, so if you want to do that, I highly recommend this blog post. Then um, moving on to the ecosystem around Kubernetes. Um, first of all, um, the session that took place by the Cloud Native Meetup Rosenheim had as topics Dapper and Grafana Tempo. So um, if you're interested in that, Definitely worth watching. Um, Cloud Native Rosenheim Meetup, always a cool place um, with great content. Um, talking about Dapper, I think that's based on the blog post that is published and that I also referenced a few weeks ago around using Dapper with uh, Polyglot um, microservice development and well, Grafana Tempo, it's topic of its own, again, for observability. Then um, staying with Dapper, uh, there was a community call this week and um, I had the honor to join and present how to get started with Dapper on Kima. So what do you have to consider and how do you, do you get started? And then there was a second community contribution that was really interesting on how Enjoys 
build a conversion system uh, using Dapper, also making use of Dapper via gRPC. And the, the polyglot topic. So there was some dot, I think .NET. Oh, mostly it was .NET, yeah. And one microservice was Java um, or uh, Spring, if I remember correctly. Um, and, and how those things come together and where, where Dapper shines in that area. So that, that was really interesting. Um, then um, one thing also where, where I want to make the connection to Dapper. So there was an article by on InfoQ on software architecture and design InfoQ trends, the report of April 2022. And if you take a look at the overview, then you see that Dapper is mentioned and it's now an early in the early adopters phase. By the way, also architectural decision records are there. I really like them. And of course, a lot of other topics. So the article per se definitely makes sense reading, but it's cool to see that that Dapper evolved also um, there. And then um, one highlight of this week was Dapper version 1.7 is out. And that's, although it is just a minor release, is a huge one. Um, there is an absolute highlight with respect to resiliency of the, the Dapper APIs. You can now configure retries, timeouts, and circuit breakers on, um, of course, apps via service invocation on different components and on the actors uh, with these policies, which uh, gives you a completely new level of resiliency. Then there have been some improvements around the observability area. Several components have been pushed to stable, including uh, several Azure uh, services. That's great to see. Then we have new state store components, um, for example, NUTS chat stream. That's also cool to see. And um, gRPC proxying now was moved forward to stable. And what's another highlight that I would like to mention, it was around the CLI. Um, first of all, yeah, there is a new way to install Dapper in self-hosted mode. So you can now private use uh, private and alternative image registries, which is in preview. Um, when you use uh, the, the, the Dapper CLI and the Dapper CLI init command, and there is now also a preview for a completely offline and, and air-gapped installation. That's absolutely cool. And that was from 1.6 to 1.7. So how do they want to, to top that um, when there is a new major release? But So I think that's that's a really great release that came out there. So um, I would highly recommend to, to upgrade that one. And then uh, one last thing from the Dapper area, uh, blog post by Xavier Gering. Uh, integrating Dapper with Nest.js and the Dapper.js SDK. So that's, I think, a very typical setup in the uh, JavaScript, TypeScript um, area, um, bringing together the Dapper SDK and Dapper and Nest.js, which is a framework of its own. And it's quite interesting to see how those things could be integrated. Now, um, with that extensive news around Dapper, let's switch to the area of DevOps. And I have also quite some news there from GitHub. Um, first of all, the GitHub availability report is out for March 2022. Um, and it was not a good month for um, GitHub March this year. So there have been a lot of um, outages. And this blog post guides you through on, on the backgrounds and how they how GitHub wants to mitigate that in the future, unfortunately. <laughs> 
one mitigation ish, uh, measure um, caused another outage. So um, hopefully, let's keep our fingers crossed that things will get better in April. And then um, GitHub pushed out quite some news around security this week. Um, first of all, um, on how Dependabot can help you with um, keeping your project secure. I mean, I guess most of you know Dependabot or use it. So this blog post guides you through on how this thing can really help you a ton with um, making your um, your repo more secure. And then um, a super cool feature from my perspective, unfortunately only available for organization with GitHub Advanced Security. Um, and that's a feature that allows you to proactively prevent secret leaks with um, GitHub Advanced Security secret scanning by a push protection. That means you cannot push secrets to GitHub. So they will not even make its way. So it's not like, like it is now, I think. You push it and then GitHub gets aware, ooh, this is a secret and you get um, alarms. And, and also if it's a hyperscaler um, connection string or something like that, also the hyperscaler gets an alarm. Um, this is preventing you to push your secrets to, to GitHub. And that's really, that's really cool. That's great. Um, unfortunately, as I said, only for organizations with the GitHub Advanced Security. Then um, another blog post, again, around the area of security about preventing introduction of um, known vulnerabilities into your code. Another blog post that I've referenced in the show notes um, focusing on the uh, dependency review action. That's, I think, a quite new action um, that allows you during your push uh, to, to check if there are changes within dependencies, if there are no vulnerabilities introduced or if there are one, and then you get a very early feedback on, on issues that you have. Talking about issues, um, there is also, again, as every uh, month, the, the GitHub issue wrap up. So what's new with GitHub issues? Um, bulk and bulk add issues and pull requests. I think I covered that uh, last week. Then you can also explore your archives within GitHub uh, issues. That's, that's something that I think I did not mention. And you have a GitHub action um, that allows you to auto add to projects. So if you need a wrap up what's happened um, I think that blog post is perfect for you. And then um, two more from the area of GitHub. Uh, if you're using code spaces within an organization, you have now the option to uh, restrict the port visibility settings. Up to now, when you use code spaces, you as a user of the code space could um, influence or, or define what's visible and what's not. And for organizations and enterprises, it is, of course, important to have some policies um, to make sure that by, you do not expose something by incident. And that's now something that's available with um, code spaces. So you can now restrict that on organization level. And then um, wrapping up the GitHub section or DevOps section, but purely GitHub this week, um, a blog post on, on um, how GitHub themselves so so github the organization the enterprise uses github actions and there are four ways that are um highlighted within the blog post that i've referenced in the show notes how they they themselves make use of github actions so how they drink their own champagne now with that let's switch to the area of 
SAP Microsoft, so the world in between. And here we have a new podcast uh, from uh, Switched On, a podcast series by Paul Mollerman and James Wood. And in this episode, they have Holger Bruchelt as guest. So um, in this uh, podcast episode, it's all about SAP and Azure. So we're talking about SAP on Azure platforms, so infrastructure uh, specifics, uh, integration topics, um, of course, Power Platform, low-code, no-code, and GitHub Copilot. That, that must not be missed. Um, yeah, definitely worth listening to. And as we have Saturday, as every Saturday, a new edition of the SAP on Azure podcast is out, this time um, about the AZ SAP assessments, um, giving you insights on how uh, Microsoft helps customers to um, assess their SAP workloads and consult and, and help them how to best move their workloads to Azure. I think, of course, an interesting session, especially if you are planning or um, yeah, evaluating if you want to move your SAP workloads to, to Azure. And then um, one blog post by Robin Funhethoff that I would like to highlight in this section. It's not um, directly related to Microsoft, but there was a session with um, Holger Bruchelt and Matthias Steiner on the Neptune DX platform. And this blog post by Robin um, gives you some more perspective on the Neptune DX platform and um, also gives um, a, a a good spotlight on low-code, no-code, and how those things play together um, with respect to it. it is not sufficient to just have a low-code, no-code tool somewhere and not caring about all the other things around it, like APIs and so on. And um, as far as I have never used Neptune, but uh, as far as reading this blog post, that's where the Neptune DX platform really shines. Now with that, let's switch to the area of uh, learning and events this time only. Well, learning. There are some great uh, videos again um, by Goloron. First one, and it took me quite some time to get the title, is We Cancel JavaScript, Let's Go. Um, it's about um, the, the, the company that, that Goloron is running uh, called The Native Web. Is a quite is focusing on TypeScript and JavaScript. Um, and, and that's kind of their center of expertise. And this video um, is an explanation why they um, extend their stack. So why they are now moving to Go. That's why let's go. And I'll be honest, I did not get it until I watched the video. Um, and it's really a great explanation on why they think that Go is uh, beneficial for them and why they want to add it to their stack. Great. And then a second video by, by Golo, a live coding session. This time he was alone or not completely alone. He was accompanied by a KI, um, artificial intelligence, um, namely GitHub Copilot. So another evening coding session um, with Golo um, accompanied by GitHub Copilot. And within the session, you could really see um, how GitHub Copilot interacts with you. Where it shines, where it is not that shiny um, yet, maybe. 
And a really, really great session again by Bagolo. Great entertainment from my perspective on a Wednesday evening. And of course, it's on YouTube, so you can catch it up. And then um, another recording from an event that took place this week uh, about a presentation of incubating projects within CNCF. And that one was really cool from my perspective. There was uh, Keda presented by Chef Holland, Dapper presented by Jaron Schneider. And then there was Spire, um, Spiffy Spire, maybe you know, you know that term from, from um, securing your uh, Kubernetes nodes um, by Ryan Turner and Contour by Stevie Sloka. So that's, um, I think, definitely worth having a look at. And with that, I'm at the last section for today, developer experience. And I just have one thing that you might want to catch up if you missed it. I've referenced the event on how Windows powers the future of hybrid work a few weeks ago. That took place now and the recording is available. I've referenced it within my show notes. And with that, I'm at the end of today's session. I hope I had some news for you. I think there were some, some great news, especially around Dapper this week. So I hope there was something interesting for you, something to catch up. And with that, I wish you a nice Saturday, a great Sunday, and a successful next week. See you next Saturday. Until then, bye.